This is British Wrestling Spotlight on the IndieCorner.com. I'm Benno. And I'm Joe. And I'm JP. And today we're going to cover a few shows. We had a bit of a crazy weekend a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, guys, at Rev Pro and Progress. Mm, we're yeah. also going to cover uh, good wrestling as well that both of you guys got to. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's been a, a few days since I've seen you. How are you both? I'm all right. I'm all right. Just resting up. But summer holidays have begun now, so yeah, can't complain. It's nice how the summer holidays can uh, coincide with the start of G1. As yeah, well, so yeah. it feels nice and relaxed. And, and as time of recording, we've just had day one. Did you catch any of it? Yeah, I got up and well, I didn't. I watched the I watched the G one matches. I didn't bother with the tags. Oh, I haven't yeah. got enough time for those. That's kind of the only way to survive the summer, isn't it? If you're going to yeah. do, it. if you're going to try and watch the whole thing, I mean, I always try and do it, and then I burn out by about the last maybe ten days, mm. and I wind up just fast forwarding through like the matches I'm not so uh, interested yeah. in. I fast forwarded um, Farley Maccabee as well. <laughs> I saw that's that. No, that, that that was all right. Yeah. That was that was all right. Um, it was a usual match. Oh, we're going into G1 review time. Yeah? <laughs> well, Zack Sabre's in there, so it is kind That's of true. Written, I've, I've, I won't put any spoilers on here, but I have seen his match with uh, with Tanahashi. And and then or the only other one is just to see the Ibushi-Naito match. Yeah, which, they're the two to recommend, aren't they? Exactly. Which is nice, us talking about you know New Japan, seeing as we're leading into the, the British J-Cup as well. Which is essentially uh, British New Japan, let's be honest. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, in many ways. But that, well, I mean, it depended on whether uh, what culture uh, beat them to that crown, because there's kind of... Oh, the weekend we're about to talk about what culture kind of led the way, didn't they, with their, uh, their shows with New Japan? What do you make of their uh, budding relationship there? Um gotta be honest zero interest <laughs> my ignorance to what culture again they're for me they're just the the tna of british wrestling and the the three letters tna just turn me off instantly uh turn most blokes on but um yeah not for me not for me at all um i did see that ishi face rampage brown um yeah, big ishi fan not a big rampage brown fan i think i can skip that one if i'm honest yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, Rampage is kind of, if you look at that what culture uh, base, look at their roster, he's probably the guy mm. to put in, in place. But I've got to be honest, you know, when I was looking at this uh, this weekend we're about to talk about, I was thinking maybe I should go to the what culture show. It's a bit closer to home, but I don't know when the choices are uh, a Rampage against Ishii and Matt Riddle against Ishii. <laughs> uh, Oh, relatively and I think the worst Matt Riddle match I've ever seen live was probably the match he had with Rampage Brown in progress so yeah. the track record of Rampage Brown versus uh, kind of you know reputed indie kind of big man or tough guy yeah not so good I forgot about the epic series of Primate as well which was <laughs> uh, you know met to <laughs> rapturous applause best of 87 series that yeah, it is, isn't it? oh yeah but they just beat the shit out of each other to no reaction <laughs> Hope it was anyway, <laughs> no, that's a fair segue though, because yeah, Friday what culture had the show in New Japan. The reason New Japan were in the country is they were over for the British J Cup uh, with Rev Pro. That'll be our first review today. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a 
RevPro and New Japan seem to be getting a bit further into bed with each other this year, don't they? It seems to be. There's always a relationship there, but it definitely feels like the, it's a bit more formal now, isn't it? And it's a bit more, um, I don't know, I think it's maybe when you look at the, the Brit Res Wars of 2017 and progress very much in, uh, on the WWE side, RevPro have definitely uh, slipped into that, that New Japan side, haven't they? And yeah, It's definitely bearing fruit in that they can, they can put events on like this. Yeah, and I think they've managed to retain all of their credibility, if not increase their credibility, with the British fan base, if I'm honest. And I think that there's a lot of goodwill towards RevPro at the moment as well. And it's putting on uh, shows like this it's just going to increase that goodwill when you look at like like i said before it's kind of rev pro is kind of new japan for british fans in a way it's british new japan in many ways and you know they're bringing in talents like taguchi who i never sort of figured that i'd see over here who i've always been a fan of but i'm not a huge fan of but when you're getting kind of t- the taguchis of this world as well as the bushis and the tiger masks in and liger for another tour as well it shows that there's a real diversity of new japan talent that they're sort of able to bring in it's not just the main guys they're bringing in now they're bringing lots of different pieces of that kind of new japan roster in so it's quite nice to be able to see some of these kind of i suppose guys who are sort of more mid-card type guys who are good fun and usually do add to a new japan card nicely Mm. yeah i have to completely agree with that i mean the the way that they set it up um in a sense i mean it was so warm in that building um It really was. I mean, I'm going to go on to that in a little bit. I'm sure we all will at, at various points. Um, but in terms of the actual consistency of match quality, the kind of guys that, that Rev Pro are getting in, I mean, I'm trying to think of how many quote-unquote failures there would have been. The one that immediately springs to mind is Vader, but that's an entirely different scenario. I, I loved that. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, I was going to say, but from a from a, from a a match quality perspective. <laughs> it wasn't a match. It was a long angle. Yeah. Yeah, it, very true. Um, but the actual kind of match quality is is really good. I mean, getting to see Liger again when he really is at the point of, of phasing out in his career, seeing Taguchi uh, for the first time, seeing Kylo Riley Kushida in the flesh, in probably um, Kylo Riley's last indie match as well. Exactly, um, and it was great. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, it was, you, you, sorry, better. I was just going to say you, you touched on it there, uh, JP. The, the venue being the in Walthamstow, the uh, the assembly hall there. Oh. Um, this was the, it's the second visit, isn't it? A Rev Pro to the building. I, I don't remember asking you guys. Is this the the first time you've been there, or did you go to the? No, I went shows? to the. We went to the one that they did there last year, where they did the Global um, Wars Night Two. Yeah, where they had Hero Shibata. Um, in it was the night after the Hero Ishi match, um, and they also did Martin Zach against um, Lozinga Bernabez as well. Mm-hmm. Which was Naito? Was it Naito and Bushi? I think it was. Faced Marty and Zach. Um, so that that was a really fun show. Trent Seven Nagata as well was on that show, which is possibly the best Trent Seven match I think I've ever seen. Yep. Um, so that was a really fun show back in November. I've got to say, it seemed like they, they'd sold a lot more tickets this time. Um, yeah. I was under the impression they'd sold out of the last Global Wars, but I remember thinking you could definitely get more people in here. Mm. So I don't know if they had an initial allocation then opened up more tickets afterwards, but this place was absolutely rammed. Um, one thing I will say is, as 
good as the show was and as good as Rev Pro are at sort of putting these shows on and booking really, really sort of nice cards with good talent up and down the card and with um, a good mix of kind of homegrown talent, star homegrown talent and younger homegrown talent as well as the Japanese guys, logistically the building was a bit of a nightmare, I thought, from uh, the perspective of like getting served at the bar um, oh long yeah. queues lack of air conditioning then obviously oh there were real issues with the sound as well um that kind yes. of carried on throughout the night where i don't know what was going on but it felt to me it sounded like the speakers blew at one point um, i don't know if that is what happened but you could see andy quilden getting sort of noticeably frustrated uh with what was going on with the sound as well throughout the night yeah. which was a little bit of a shame um i don't think it didn't affect my enjoyment of the show if i'm honest um i like the rest i was gonna say i mean for that as we we kind of arrived, didn't we? And we were looking at that. You, you look at the building from the. It's a it's a quick tube ride from central London. You yeah. get there. It's absolutely gorgeous. The assembly hall is it. It's a brilliant. Oh, it building. really is. I think the problem. Well, I think the big problem was as you touched on there, Joe. It was a scorching day, and we were all. It was the three of us and uh, Martin from British Audio Wrestling were, yep. were going in, and you kind of just. It, it's like the security are taking everyone's drinks off them. And you're thinking, oh god, because it was probably the, one of the hottest days of the year, wasn't it? So yeah. everyone gets in and they think, oh, I'm gasping for a drink. It's absolutely, it's like a greenhouse inside that building. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of people passed out. I mean, everybody in the building was dripping in sweat, never mind the wrestlers. And then, like you said, yeah, the, the queue for the bar was literally around one side of the building, wasn't it? It was absolutely, it was, it was just, I mean, it, it, in so many ways, it'd be a perfect venue. But it's it's like you said, Joe, it's those little things, isn't it, that, yeah. that's let it down. Yeah, if there was a bigger bar, sort of York cool size bar or even well just a water some, table yeah yeah or if they were a little bit if they were a little bit more flexible and people taking stuff inside as well like I've, you know i'm probably living in a dream world suggesting that <laughs> yeah but yeah it would it would sort things out massively didn't they run out of beer as well i wasn't drinking but didn't they run out of beer at the bar at one point as they well, ran out of started. water and they ran out of tap beer didn't they jp will uh, attest to that yeah they did um because I, the only time i got served was actually during the main event where it was quiet enough and it had emptied <laughs> out. Someone had tried to push in the queue as well and had got turfed out, um, which was, you know... Tempo's the, running high. Exactly, <laughs> tempo's running high. The, the, heat, the heat was there. The so heat does it, funny things to us, doesn't it? I mean... Can't cope with it. Overall, I still have to say, I've got a real fondness for the venue, um, in just in terms of how it looks, and especially how it looks from the outside. Um, but like you say, there was those, those issues of the sound. And the fact that they had bloody air conditioning units around the place they just hadn't actually switched it on mm. which i don't know if that was just a weekend thing anyway i don't know why we want air, co- yeah. air conditioning units um <laughs> this is the air conditioning podcast on the indicorner network <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> for you big I mean, uh, british air conditioning fans it does matter though i mean it, there's a scarcity yeah. of suitable buildings for wrestling isn't it in the uk in progress go on about it all the time they're always trying to find uh, maybe a bigger venue in central london and they say they yeah. don't exist and yeah this place could be perfect if they could improve a couple of things like you said joe the the sound was a was another issue that i'm sure we'll get into on the night but it definitely didn't uh, hurt enjoyment too much because overall i thought it was a great show uh, yes. i think the, the, the layout of the show was really good and the the tournament structure is really good i think it was the it's definitely the the start of something for rev pro maybe a, a tempole event that they'll, they'll continue to to do over the years so I did let's get that- into the Sorry, I did see that Andy Quilden said they wanted to run it again next year as well. So it does look like it's going to go that way. 
bigger and better, I think, is what he said as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yes. that'd be absolutely ideal. But, yeah, to, to get into the show, I mean, we opened up with a, with a first-round match in the J-Cup. Marty Skrull and uh, Tiger Mask. What did you two uh, guys make of this one? Well, Fine. He's, he's, the, he's, the, he's the fifth of the... He's the... He ranks fifth out of the five Tiger Masks, I believe. <laughs> um, I think we, 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 all, we all had that discussion halfway through the match. I've seen it commented on by others. Have um, there only been four Tiger Masks? No, if you include Tiger Mask W as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and this one is definitely the worst, but it worked within the context of there's a rarity of seeing Tiger Mask on on our shores. Is it the first time that he's toured over here? Possibly. I don't know. It's the first time I've certainly seen him live. And Marty, you know, was great at kind of working the crowd. It felt very much like a kind of... The kind of match you would expect him to have in the best of the Super Juniors, really, where it'd be sort of very good, very much kind of played more for comedy. Um, Marty's new finisher um, seemed, to, seemed to work as well in terms of the um, the cradle pin he was doing. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I had kind of low expectations because Tiger Mask was involved. But as a warm-up, as it was in the right spot on the card, and this sort of links back to what you were saying, Benno, in terms of the way the card was laid out, um, it was a good match to open with because it didn't set anyone off on fire. But at the same time, you have Marty to kind of warm the crowd up himself. Yeah, it was kind of, uh, I wouldn't say it was a comedy match, but it was mm. kind of a lot of Marty's uh, character stuff, yes, wasn't it, really? That's what I mean, yeah. Um, it, it wasn't a long match, but it was just a nice way to, to kind of get the show going. I mean, I, I watched the most of it from uh, from the queue at the bar, uh, but from what I could see, it was a fun match. But yeah, I mean, Tiger Mask is, I think there's positives to RevPro and New Japan having this relationship, but we are, we are seeing a variety of guys from New Japan. He's not particularly a high on my list as a guy I want to see, but yeah. I suppose it's kind of cool that we can all say we we saw a Tiger Mask live. Um, Marty, I mean, I was going to say in the match as well, he, he continues in in RevPro. I think, uh, and I don't know if either of you, did you hear his, his interview with Steve Austin where yes. he was talking about his, his baby face and his heel work? Mm, I mean, yeah. I think with Marty, it's kind of, this is just what he is in Rev Pro. Uh, if you go in and expecting him to be pure heel or pure face, you're not going to get that. You get something somewhere in the middle, and it, it certainly works for him, doesn't it? He sells a, sells enough t-shirts to uh, to make it worthwhile, at least from his point of view. Well, he's been probably the most over guy in Rev Pro for God, must be about three years now, I think. Mm. Um, and he really sort of established that villain character in Rev Pro. Really sort of made the transition from uh, Party Marty to the villain in Rev Pro as well. So I think he's got that real kind of um relationship with the rev pro fan base um so whenever he's there he is the most over person in the building i think the last few york hall shows he's always been the british guy on that card that everyone is sort of getting mad for you look around you see tid because of his service there because of just how many great matches that he's had in rev pro over the years because of the way he's adapted his character yeah i thought overall it was it was a good match uh marty won the match with his it's like a half nelson roll-up wasn't it uh, a move that we continue to see uh throughout the night so yeah a, a decent if not uh overly uh spectacular opening match uh second up we had the josh bodum and uh the hero of the hour 
Jushin Thunder Liger. It was mm-hmm. a short match, um, but overall, I think it, it did the job, didn't it? Yeah, I was I was really happy with this. I thought straight away, as soon as it finished, I was like, right, that's cool. It's a bit of a surprise, and it seems like it's probably going to build to another match between Bodum and Liger at some point, which is fine by me. And with Bodum being really frustrated and being that kind of whiny heel, it gives it that extra element when they do actually come to wrestle. And uh, it's been announced that they're... Uh, wrestling for the Rev Pro Cruiser or Cruiserweight, or is it Junior title, junior title at the next York Hall show? So yeah, looking forward to that one, and looking forward to where this goes. And it's going to be great as well because Bodum's character is so well established now in yeah. Rev Pro. Um, it's going to be set up really nicely in the intervening cockpit show that that's in early August. I mean. On the whole, it was nice. Like it was ni- like a nice reminder from the Ta- Hiromi Takahashi Kushida match to secure a Genesis, where you have that kind of that that two minute sprint. And here it was a little over two minutes. I suppose with this though, Kushida seemed like he was well and truly beaten in that match. Whereas yes. Bodum, it was kind of like, oh, sh- oh crap, I've been caught. Um, yeah. And he he sold it as if like it was a kind of like you know out of nowhere win where he just kind of was unfortunate to get caught out of nowhere. So he was well, fine he- after the match, which yeah. I. Th- I I think added to it as well because it made him react instantly yeah. and you got that kind of moment where you could kind of laugh at Bodum as well in that role of that whiny heel character there's a great moment where he kicks out just after the three and it's really good it's really well timed so you kind of believe the upset plus at the same time it still keeps Bodum strong um, and leading to a match between the two where you know let's be honest you'd be expecting Bodum to win unless Liger's going to do a sort of couple more tours which I, I wouldn't be too sure about but for Bodum it's it's a real great opportunity for him given the guy he's going to be working with and given the influence that he has I mean for for Bodum it's going to you know leads to nothing really probably good, the biggest match of things. Bodum's career the big match of his career Liger yeah yeah absolutely that's it. It felt like it was the start of a story more than anything, wasn't yes, it? Yeah. Bodum's just super over as a heel in Rev Pro. Yeah. Liger, obviously, super over as the big baby face as well. And I really like the stuff he did after the match with Bodum going after Chris Roberts and going after Andy Quilden as well. Uh, we couldn't quite make it out from where we were standing. Um, but it was just kind of, it was a good setup match. And I think overall, it was. It was enjoyable. I think I think both both look good, and I think again, yeah. I think Bodum's a, just a good rate, good tempole heel to have uh, in the promotion for, to do things like this and to to be maybe the the most uh, detestable man in the promotion um, and, and, a, and a strong. If you, we were talking about Marty Skrull before, maybe Blair in the lines, but you don't get that with Bodum, do you? At all he, no. he's the the most pure heel in the company. Well, I think Bodum is where Marty was three four years ago in Rev Pro, mm. where he was that detestable heel, um, and he was that person that was doing everything he could at that point to get booed um, and obviously Marty's title win when he won the title in Rev Pro was he won it as a heel, we had a heel run with the belt and it was kind of the quality of his matches and how much he improved during his run that actually kind of got him over as a face it was like mm. people loved booing him so much but they came to really like him and I, I can honestly see that happening with Bodum I think he's really in that position where they're ready to really push him as that top heel give it a year I think he'll be uh, the British heavyweight champion and give it 18 months I can see him actually being quite over as a face in Rev Pro if he carries on down the same row 
Indeed. Well, yep, so overall, I thought it was a good match. Liger uh, got the win with the Brain Buster clean. Short match, maybe, we were saying in part as well, to just keep Liger fresh. Uh, he's, he's getting on a bit, isn't he? So you can't really, couldn't really have expected him to be yeah. in a long uh, work rate match here and then coming back out for the final later. So again, I think that's another reason uh, Bowden was a perfect choice for him. Uh, it, uh, maybe a complete opposite match came up next in mm. Kylo Riley and Kushida. And again, as I mentioned earlier, we didn't know at the time, but we were actually witnessing live Kyle O'Reilly's uh, last independent wrestling match before he's uh, found himself over in, uh, in NXT. Spoilers there for maybe some upcoming tapings, <laughs> uh, but you'd struggle to uh, to avoid that news if you're if you're on Twitter. I mean, I'm a huge fan of O'Reilly and Kushida's matches previous. I, oh yeah, I, I, same. Both of their I, I, well last two years I would say my top 10 matches uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Kushida were in both of those lists um, what did you think of this match in, in that did it compare to those previous matches um, or you know m- m- or did it not well I, I think my opinion is going to go against kind of um, the consensus here because I the 2015 Super Juniors final match was my match of that year I absolutely loved that match and they had uh, they had fought in RevPro previously, York Hall Show in October 2015. They had a match there, and that was probably, the, I think it's their second best match together. I think I've seen all of their matches they've had together. I've got to say, I just couldn't get into this. I don't know what it was. I think it might have been the heat in the building that mm. led me to not be able to concentrate. Um, the pace of it just lost me immediately, and I just I couldn't invest in it in any way. Like There were moments where I was kind of like, oh, that was cool. But then my concentration would just go immediately. Um, it's one of those matches that when I think about it, I can't remember any of the match. <laughs> um, of which, to me, kind of says it all. Um, I don't know what it was, but yeah, I just could not get into it. And I was really looking forward to it as well. See, I have to say, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I suppose, just coming at it from the, from the other perspective... Um, I was kind of viewing it not in comparison to the other matches that they'd had, because I have to admit, it it, felt, it feels like it's been a while in terms of great matches between the last time they had their, their match in New Japan and, and to now. But I was thinking more of the last time Kushida was in Rev Pro and the match he had against Zack Sabre Jr., which was, I think, 28 minutes. And it felt, and it was in the wrong place in the card. It was before the uh, the Elite and uh, the elite Young Bucks Kenny Omega match. Um, so it kind of felt really out of place. And it kind of knocked down what I thought about Kushida to a certain degree. I thought, I don't know, maybe it's just, maybe it just doesn't click for me. So I really enjoyed it. Um, I kind of really uh, was happy to kind of go along with it. Um, it wasn't for me the best best match they've had. It wasn't as uh, you know as good as the best of the Super Juniors final from twenty uh, fifteen. Yeah, yeah. Is. Um, but I did enjoy it, and I was probably a bit more into it than you. But however, I mean, again, just to really stress this about the heat, I wouldn't be surprised if you know if people's anyone's reaction to it is going to be is. You know, it's hard to remember anything going on in that arena because at that point it was like, Jesus, this is hot. I was going to say, I think that that probably plays a part, doesn't it? Like the heat in the venue. This was a match where it felt noticed. I mean, again, I didn't think it was well placed on the card. I thought I would have expected this to maybe be uh, the last um, of Mm. the J-Cup matches rather than out here third. But yeah, I think the heat in the venue, it was the one match where I noticed them. You know, they were going for, there's a bit of legwork going on and they they were grappling and you could just see the sweat dripping off for both of them and it just it can't help but affect the match I think I, I, yeah. I would 
probably say as well, it's, it, I've not had a chance to, to catch it with the VOD yet. I'm hoping to in the coming days, but I think maybe it might be a match that comes off better on the VOD. Yeah, in, in reviews I've read, I've definitely seen people feeling a lot stronger than we than we have. I know you, you were saying there, JP, you enjoyed mm. the match, but I've heard people rave about it, and I was maybe more along the lines of Joe, at least in the build, and again, I'll have to, to catch up with it and watch mm. it again, but I mean, I had the chance to very briefly uh, talk with Kyle O'Reilly after the match. He was talking to one of our, our friends, Stephen, and he was he mentioned at one point just how hot and how ridiculous it was to work there, but he was raving about the crowd because this was this was a match as well where I thought the crowd had been relatively quiet and they did come yeah. alive for, for the big moments in here, for the big near falls. Um, and again, I think I might have enjoyed it more if I'd have known the context because at the end of the day, this is probably the last Kushida and Kyle O'Reilly match, isn't it? This is the yeah. the end of, uh, of their story. Um, you know, you've got Kushida finally, you know, putting away Kyle O'Reilly with his it's back to the future is finished, isn't it? And uh, and finishing, you know, one of the better, as you mentioned, the, the string of matches they've had in previous years. Um, one of the greatest rivalries we've had uh, outside of WWE. So it's a bit of a shame that it's over um, and a bit of a shame that we didn't know it was over going in. But again, I think it's probably, uh, it's a feud that I think is, is going to age well um, as far as people watching back on tape. And again, I'm, I'm looking forward to re-watching this match maybe outside of the heat of the, uh, the Walthamstow uh, Hall and, <laughs> and seeing it on video. If I could just add as well, I really liked at the end of it. There was a, there was a lot of, sort of reversals of of their established moves, but obviously the Back to the Future um, sort of cradle suplex um, is is a new finisher. wasn't He wasn't using it at the time in the match with Kyle O'Reilly, so I thought it was quite nice that he ended up kind of sealing the feud by using that to um, to defeat Kyle O'Reilly. So I I like I like that new finisher. It seems it seems very good. It seems like a finished setup if he ever goes to heavyweight as well. Absolutely, that's it. Yeah, I think Kashida's kind of quietly one of the best wrestlers in the world. I think yeah. it was. I think I had Dave Meltzer say it the other day. It's like if he wasn't in a promotion with Okada and Tanahashi and Omega and these guys who get all the headlines, you'd mm. we'd be talking about Kashida just as his consistency um, as one of the best wrestlers out there. So no, he's definitely somebody I'm, I'm looking forward to to coming back to to Rev Pro and uh, and seeing at other times. But again, perhaps uh, this was a match where uh, the the hot weather uh, and the crowd maybe hurt it a little bit there and it didn't quite get to the level of, of the previous matches mm-hmm. uh, next up then a, a strange one to kind of I thought to go into the uh, this was the match before intermission to Gucci uh, and Will Ospreay this I mean I said the opener had a, a touch of comedy <laughs> to it but this they kind of went the, the whole hog here didn't oh, they I mean, yeah. to Gucci's space not comedy of plenty <laughs> yeah he's not to everyone's taste is he um, although I would say you know this Takuchi Japan stuff uh, seems to be getting uh, something behind it I was I was really shocked as well to, to get to the venue and there not to be much if any New Japan merch around um, you would have thought people would be uh, flogging those Taguchi Japan uh, t-shirts somewhere but no there was there were none to be bought I mean, what Lushi did you make was of selling this? his mask for about two hundred quid, wasn't he? <laughs> I think he yeah. was pushing that hard. Yeah, yeah. That's it. I don't know if anybody ended up uh, paying that, but yeah, it wasn't like the the hall was flooded with uh, with Bullet Club shirts and, and all well, they, kinds. It, they had a meet and greet before the b- before the card, hmm. and whether or not they sold it all there, whether or not this was an offshoot, of the fact that had they come almost that they gone back to Japan and then flown out to Britain. In term, or had they gone straight from Long Beach after the G1? Wow, that was like but, a week gap, wasn't there? Yeah, four, four so five days, something like that. Yeah, it wouldn't make any. I mean, you would have thought normally at every Rev Pro show where there's been New Japan guys, there has been a ton of merch. 
and those tables and you know and they're selling out of it as well um, so it was it was a real shock not to see that and that's one of the other stranger things not to really see much merch at all on sale yeah, yeah, I don't know why that was. It seems, yeah, it was a bit of a strange move. Mm. Yeah, but obviously New Japan. Well, we heard as well, didn't we, that they sold out in Long Beach on the first night, and they didn't bring enough merch. So it just seems like it's something that they continue to do. It's almost like they're underestimating interest in, yeah. you know, merchandise in um, Western territories, if anything. So, yeah, maybe that's something they need to fix for a later tour. As far as this match went, um, I've got to say I much preferred the pace of this considering um the kind of heat and the feeling in the building um the intricate stuff in the o'reilly kashida match um i just couldn't appreciate what we're feeling so uh well so hot and so sort of hmm. worn out at that point so this was a lot easier to get into because it mm. was full of kind of uh moments of comedy um it was full of kind of interaction with the crowd so it was one of the, it was a match that catered to the crowd at the right time considering what it felt like in the building at that point watching the show so i thought that was quite smart on their part um what i liked as well is that osprey didn't seem to do too much in this one as well he did seem to hold back a little bit more than usual um, and he seems to have kind of sort of a new string to his bow is actually employing that comedy in his matches, um, getting over based on his personality a little bit more rather than what he can do. And I think he's such a well established personality now that he doesn't need to, you know, mm. bust his ass and try and work a four and a half star match every time he's out there in front of the Rev Pro fans. So I thought that was quite a smart move on his part. And you think about, say, their their previous matches, the 2016 um, uh, Super Juniors Super final. Juniors, yeah. Completely different sort of match to that. Mm. But it didn't need to be the sort of match. They had the best of the Super Juniors. They probably could have wrestled that match. But I think this was more appropriate for the setting and for the crowd in this setting at this moment in time, if I'm honest. Yeah, and I think the people, you know, Taguchi got a got a good reaction as well. Um, not crazy reaction. Obviously, Osprey's very popular anytime he gets to wrestle over at this point, which becomes rarer and rarer over time. So it was the crowd were kind of ready for a bit of, like I say, arse based comedy. <laughs> they, they, they were, they were, and so we had that. Um, but it was it was really good, you know, on the whole, really good fun, nice way to kind of lead into the intermission. Yeah, I think that it's also for causes, isn't it? You touched on a really good thing there, Joe. I think that it, it, it's a sign of a good worker, isn't it, to know uh, what type of match is appropriate. And I think yeah. in, in the yeah. middle of this already stacked card, I, I, I think they, they'd probably be wasting the time trying to have a 25-minute epic. I think that the comedy was much more suited uh, to the crowd. And I think it all worked as well. It got over as, as loud as anything else on, on the show. Osprey won with, a, with an os cutter that looked a touch awkward uh, on Taguchi uh, but all in all it, it, it was fine it was fun and one thing I'd probably say about the, the card is that all these four matches we've talked about they were all giving something different where they, it wasn't four identical mm-hmm. matches there were four very different matches um but again, uh, it was again it was a hot building, and maybe the crowd wasn't as loud. If you watch this on the VOD, uh, that's the reason. Uh, in this case, I've been critical of, uh, of Rev Crow cards <laughs> in the past, and then I found myself in one being as uh, as quiet as uh, the crowds that maybe I've criticised in the past, just because of the pure heat. Um, I, I do think as well you uh, pointing about the sort of variety in the first four matches. I think that is one thing that Rev Pro definitely are very strong on is mm. trying to find variety, uh, effective sort of 
agenting of matches so there's not a lot of repetition from match to match mm. um, I think progress in Birmingham the night after it seemed like there was quite sort of poor agenting on some of the matches like there was kind of stuff that kind of happened in one match then it would happen in the next match and matches became quite samey and quite repetitive whereas I definitely think this show in terms of variety didn't have a lot of that um and each match did feel quite defined and it did feel quite different. You've got the opening with Marty and Tiger Mask, which is very sort of comedic based. You've got the three minute Bodum Liger match with the surprise finish. You've got the technical masterpiece in Kushida and O'Reilly. And then you've got, again, I suppose, the comedy, but kind of a little bit more high flying thrown in with the Osprey to Gucci match as well. So that's one thing that I definitely think Rev Pro kind of trump most promotions in the UK on is that variety and looking to employ that variety throughout their cards for sure absolutely um, JP I'm going to we took a, an intermission here and then we yes. came back and I'm going to let you lead on this oh. JP we've got, we got a bonus match coming after the intermission uh, with yeah. Curtis Chapman and Josh Wall against the Tempura boys Sho Tanaka and Yohei Kamatsu oh. um, I love JP, me a did young... you put a pair? Did you send an email to Andy Q and request this match? Because <laughs> if I knew you, you love your young boys. Oh, uh, I'd love yeah, a good match he... like this. Uh, you were raving about this one, weren't you, mate? Your I'll... dream match, wasn't it? It is. I love a young Lions match. Um, and in particular, I have to say, with um, following, you know, it's good to see the Tempura boys working more over here. I get the impression they were rather wasted in Mexico, so they've been sort of doing some dates with Ring of Honor, and it was nice to see them them here. But we have our own British Young Lions in Curtis Chapman and Josh Wall, um, and I really felt fully introduced to them. I'm trying to think of how many cockpit shows ago, ago it was. It might have been live at the cockpit 13 or 14. I can't remember. It was a few months ago when and they faced the London Riots. When they faced the London which Riots, about here before. which Joe described it as... A Steiner's squash match from like a long Steiner's squash match from <laughs> circa early 90s, sort of 91, 92. And it partly is Curtis Chapman who is starting to, you know, he's, he's, he's grown a couple of inches, but he's thin as a rake. He, he's, he's wrestling's Peter Crouch he is in wrestling's many ways. Pretty, Peter Crouch. There is a slight resemblance there, I've got to say. And, the, and him and Josh Wall, and Josh Wall, who's also wrestling as Kelly Six um, in other places around around the land, um, they've been working together for a good few months on the uh, cockpit shows. Um, they had uh, a long match with CCK, probably a bit too long, I would have said, at the last cockpit. Uh, oh yeah, they they were really trying to sort of get the young boys over on that cockpit yes. event. It was a good match. I did enjoy the match, yeah. but there were some ridiculous kickouts. Curtis Chapman was kicking out of absolutely all sorts that CCK were doing, but at the same time. It was a good main event, and it didn't yeah. feel out of place as the main event. So you've got these two young boys who were able to sort of main event these smaller shows. I got the impression that this match was put on the card as sort of a well done. Like you've yeah. done, you've done really well on these cockpit shows, these pompy shows that we put on. Um, have a match on a bigger show, sort of go out there and establish yourself a little bit more. Um, I thought that I thought this was a, a serviceable post intermission match. To be honest Absolutely. with you. Yeah, it did. It was it was short enough. It didn't. This is the thing when you're watching young Lions matches with the expect your expectations should be lower because these are young developing wrestlers. Still, in the case of Sho and Yo, um, whether they come back to New Japan as juniors or as a tag team or as a junior tag team, um, still sort of remains to be seen. There wasn't anything that necessarily blow your mind uh, about this. I mean, other than Curtis Chapman can take a kicking. 
Like he's he's brilliant. Oh, we've learned that. Sell. Oh yeah, he is. It's it, to the point where quite often you'll hear people saying, "My God, he's dead." Um, or, or the the line from like stop he's dead already, which I've heard the line. Oh, them the young Simpsons. boys are paying their dues, aren't they? They are. Um, yeah. So I mean, the Tempura Boys won, kind of as they should do. They're more established. Um, yeah, was it kind of sick the finish as well, wasn't it? it was the uh, that cross arm package power driver that they do? Yes. Uh, on Chapman, I mean that's that's kind of what the good are, isn't it? It's taking a beating and. You know, uh, they, like you said, they tried to get them over a bit on the on the previous the last cockpit show with the uh, beating CCK, mm. and I don't know. I think that their level is kind of these kinds of matches at the moment. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, it is. They are yeah, establishing so. that sort of little following with these cockpit shows, though, because as people are becoming more familiar with them, and they are yeah. kind of having these decent matches, and they're kind of seen as these fighting underdogs, they do seem to be getting over that little bit on the cockpit shows. So it and does, you see it with it does seem to be working. Well. One thing I want to just make a point on, again, is we've probably stressed this point before, but these Rev Pro um, con- contenders that they had referred to are so good. Like, you look at the... And I'm going to make the comparison. You look at the Projo... And I just think, what talent are they producing at that Projo? What legitimately good, fundamentally sound wrestlers are coming out of the Projo? Like, you compare Curtis Chapman to Chuck Mambo, and to me it seems that there's absolute light years between the two of them. And Mambo, to my knowledge, has been working longer than um, Curtis Chapman. And I try to wrap my brains, and I can't think of anyone that the Projo has produced that I would say is a legitimately decent well, legitimately good wrestler at this point. You look at the Fight Club Pro School as well, and some of the guys coming out of there, uh, the Attack guys as well. It seems like Rev Pro are producing these really fundamentally sound guys. Fight Club Pro and Attack are producing some good guys, but I'm just not seeing any proper talents coming out of that progress school. I've seen good characters come out of there, but in terms of talent, in terms of in-ring talent and having good matches, what are they producing I think you, you can't yeah. knock them for the characters, like you say. No, I, mean, no, no. I think I think a lot of it as well. I mean, Billy Eva's a, a good character. Um, Jack Sexsmith's one who he trained elsewhere. Didn't yeah, he, he was Ryan O'Reilly before. Proved, yeah, proved himself with the pro Joe. I think TK T. Cooper as well. I think he spent a, a lot of time there, unless I'm wrong. Um, he did come me. over as a trained wrestler, though, didn't he? Because I yeah. I'd always assumed that he worked there, and I always thought, okay, he's a good. He's probably the best guy to come out of the pro Joe. And then after finding out that he did work in New Zealand before, I kind of thought, oh, okay, yeah. interesting. It's gotten better, though, I'd say, as well. I mean, there is that. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just a difference in approach, though, as well, isn't it? I think uh, Progress followed the school of, well, we'll give them give them wacky gimmicks on the undercards. And, the, you know, they do serviceable jobs, and it gives something, mm. you know, a little bit different um, on yeah. the, the Progress undercards. Whereas, yeah, obviously, Rev Pro are going down that, that New Japan school, aren't they, of uh, young boys dressed in black. And it's more about uh, learning the, the technical aspect of things. It's kind of mm. New Japan's uh, model versus NXT's model <laughs> of, uh, of, de- of developing young talent. So I don't know. I think I think there's there's probably guys we're not aware of, I, I would hope, uh, in the school who are maybe uh, about to come out from progress as well. But uh, it, de- it definitely seems as much as, you know, they've got a ways to go. Uh, some of these young Rev Pro guys, mm. they're, they're definitely, there's something to be said, isn't there, for the, for the way they're teaching them and the way they're, they're slowly bleeding them onto shows. Yeah, most definitely. I think that I think they've done a good job, and I think once these guys sort of break out from the contenders division, Rob Lias recently has, and he's got a decent yeah. gimmick. He's got a nice really little feud with Shah Samuels mm. on the go as well. So you'll see Dan McGee as well over there. He's not he's not at the same level at, that Rob no, Lias no, is, no, but, but he's sort of he will be way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
indeed. Well, we moved on from here. I thought from that tag match to another tag match. Um, to be honest, I mean, I would have expected uh, the contenders match to maybe be the weakest match on the cards, but I'd probably say it was this one. Uh, I don't know whether you'd both agree. The LIJ of uh, Hiromu and Bushi against CCK of Travis Banks and Chris Brooks. I think it maybe it's the finish um, yeah, that's playing yeah, up here with yeah, me. Um, part of me is kind of, I mean, I don't know whether it was politics or, or what it was, but I mean, I kind of think, well, why book the match if you're going to have a yeah. difficulty finding an out for the finish? Yeah. Um, I really didn't enjoy this one. I don't know about you two. No, I, I'm, I'm completely with you. One thing I sort we of We had the sound was, problem in this match. Yeah, as we well. did. One yeah. thing I thought was, you know, you've got the Young Lions match. Why not switch it around, do CCK against the Tempura Boys, um, where you can probably beat the Tempura Boys, and then do the Young Lions, uh, sorry, the um, contenders against Takahashi and Bushi, and have them lose to Takahashi and Bushi, just so you get decent finishes out of both of them yeah, um, yeah I, I've got, got to be honest I can't really remember much that happened in this the finish just deflated me instantly so it, it did it's one of the things that with Rev Pro the things that I love about Rev Pro are clean finishes for the for the for the vast majority, yes, there are some elements of interference in, and, and you you see it on the copy show, but they don't overuse it. But it's usually for like the sort of Shah Samuels, I was more comedic story based yeah, stuff. You it, know, it very rarely, and I mean, I don't like the shenanigans when they're getting you know when you've got Hiromi Takahashi and Bushi, and it just seem it does seem like a waste, and it it leaves that kind of rotten taste in your mouth as much as anything yeah and and it did feel somewhat disappointing I suppose they thought they had the Lycos uh, debut that was going to kind of you know make up for the poor finish yeah um, but I got the impression that not many people didn't seem to know Lycos actually was he, I didn't feel like he got that big of an innovation when he came out I don't know if I don't know my perhaps my hearing was off yeah. or something but I didn't think it was like a huge ovation when he came out I thought there were a few people around us who were kind of like oh, who's this guy then yeah, I think everyone's here and I think everyone's hearing was a bit off, wasn't it, with the the sound system on oh this one? There was like a it's like a buzzing from the live mic with with chance of uh, turning that mic off. <laughs> it was just it was a big distraction. So I, I mean, big I think cheer when the, they did turn the mic off as well. Yeah, biggest cheer in the match, I think. And I, I think between the finish and between the technical problems, I think that the wrestlers didn't really have a chance with this match. No. I think, I mean, as far as the book booking of the match goes, maybe you know, again, the, the, the finish with it, it was Bushy missed in. I think it was Brooke. Um, which which led to a DQ awful finish but it was mm. more about setting up the LIJ beat down and then Monday like us coming out which is great I mean we've talked about it previously we all wanted yeah. to see him in Rev Pro um, it's good to see that he's there um, he got something of a reaction but again I think that the, it wasn't quite the uh, the reaction the CCK uh, debut in in progress got by by any means maybe Rev Pro were looking down the line and thinking they could do six men matches LIJ yeah, against the definitely. CCK lot I think I'd, I'd enjoy that there's no tag titles involved either then yeah yeah, so good point, can, good point. You can avoid politics, can't you? You can pin someone from the CCK side or, you know, dare I say it, pin somebody from the LIJ side. Um, but yeah, it, again, it's not really a knock on the, the wrestlers. The, the work within the match was was solid. Banks and Brooks are, are a good team. Um, but yeah, it, it, there wasn't much to be said here, was there, uh, from, a, from a positive point of view. Be interesting to see where they go with uh, CCK as well. So I'm wondering who they're going to, 
like if they're going to remain with Banks and Brooks as the tag team and push Lycos as a single in the junior division, or whether they're going to maybe have Brooks break off because he's got the match with, with Zach, have uh, Travis seems, Banks and Lycos as the, the tag team because they're facing War Machine on the next cockpit show. Which is a dynamic we're not used to seeing in terms of the no, no, tag. No, it's a little bit different as yeah. well, I suppose. Um, it's not doing what everywhere else is doing, pushing Banks as the singles there, obviously the tag guys. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Lycos in a few singles matches. Him in the yeah. junior division, I could see him and Bodum having a nice match on a cockpit show, potentially. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, lots of options and lots of variety as well. So, yeah, I mean, next up we had probably the, the match that we were all there for, and I would probably say one of the best matches I've seen all my life live. An absolute war of a match. Yes. Matt Riddle, Tomohiro Ishii, I mean... To be honest, even if I'd not seen the match, I, I w- you would know what you're uh, getting with this match. Yeah. Um, two of the, the best guys in the world. A dream match that, you know, Matt Riddle being on the Evolve side and being uh, somebody on the maybe even the WWE radar long term, if he can uh, keep one of his uh, habits to himself, uh, there's a possibility he'll go that route. So I, I never a match that I, I didn't expect to get to see, but we got to see it here live in the fresh. Matt Riddle and Tomohiro Ishii. I mean... How did it live up to you guys? Did it live up to your expectations? Because um, for me, it was a, it was a dream match, and I thought yeah. they, they delivered on the night. Oh, it was awesome! Absolutely. It, the first couple of minutes were two of the sort of most intense minutes I think I've ever seen in the ring ever. Mm. Like from the get go, it was just like fuck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is what I want to see. It's, he specialises in these really like you know not overlong sort of sprints effectively sort of anything between sort of 10 to 15 minutes just really hard hitting action yeah that's what riddle specializes in that's what he delivers to the crowd and the crowd absolutely loves it i mean no more than me i've got far too much of his merch uh, already speaking yeah. on that a worrying amount but on the whole for this 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 felt like I'll be honest with you, given the reports of what's been coming out afterwards and the meeting you had with Tiger Hattori afterwards, this feels like it was like a final audition for New Japan. Yeah, and you could tell Riddle was super up for this match He really well. he was. really pumped uh, sort of at the beginning of the match. You could tell he really wanted to deliver something special. We heard all the reports, didn't we, about him getting out of the Evolve weekend to do this one as well yeah, because it was something right. that he was just sort of really like wanting to do really wanting to sort of take up the opportunity completely understandable as well because I think Ishii is someone that if you'd have said Matt Riddle again someone from New Japan who you want to see him face to me the first person would have been Ishii because you kind of just knew they'd have that chemistry you knew they'd Mm. be able to just you know beat the shit out of one another yep. and deliver in that kind of really intense uh, sort of sprint fashion, which they did. Because we've seen Riddle do it before with kind of similar opponents, Keith Lee, um, Volta as well. And this was just another one to add to that kind of uh, Riddle sprint kind of catalogue, really. Yeah. Even from the first time that we saw him, and I think all, all three oh, of us the were there. The match. How did I forget that? I was, was going to say with the Osprey match in progress. Oh, yeah. And, you know, one of the great sprints that they've had in terms yeah. of just eight minutes of really intense action. And that's what you get with Matt Riddle, which is ironic given his personality. But, like, you kind of go from this intensity to the most, you know, the most laid back guy in the world. Just kind of like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. And just sort of absolutely loving it. It was everything you'd want in a Tomohiro Ishii Matt Riddle match. It had it, all of it. In and in just 12 minutes as well, in like just you said 12 it, minutes. It, it was something of a sprint, but I think they they packed in everything that you'd want to see. Yeah. They were 
big bombs with chops and felt so bad for Matt Riddle taking some of those Ishii top chops. It looked you know, as bad as maybe anything he's been hit with in a UFC fight. It was just absolutely ridiculous and he kind of fire back and hit kicks on Ishii and Ishii would just fire back up and, and, and throw him round with a German mm. suplex. It was just it was just a war. It was the perfect styles clash as well. Uh, to, uh, I've not seen a first time match where two guys' styles fit so perfectly. Yeah. I mean, I was there. I wouldn't say it was on that level, but I was there live for you know Samoa Joe and Kenta Kobashi. That's probably as far back as I Lucky go for a, a, uh, yeah. for, for a live match where uh, I, you know you'd, you'd see just a just a perfect meshing of styles and just chemistry from the opening bell. I mean, I don't know whether they got it in the in the plans, but you'd like to think Rev Pro would uh, would maybe book some some rematches going forward between these guys i think you know riddle uh, taking the loss as well uh, gives a, a bit of a story for to maybe come back and i'm having wanting to to go back and i mean i don't know with riddle just see him uh, finally getting himself over in new japan or oh, I, think, see, I, I, I hope so uh, after seeing those pictures of him talking with tiger hattori and andy quilled and obviously speculation mm. is kind of ripe at the moment I'd, I'd love to see him turn up and have a never title match. Him and Minoru Suzuki seem like they'd match up very nicely as well, given the kind of MMA background. Sort yeah. of a bit of a dream match for some, I imagine, right there. Um, I, yeah, I'd like to see it happen personally. At, at this point in time, I feel so disillusioned with WWE that I just don't really care to see people go there like I used to because I don't have confidence in them using them in the way that I want to see them used mm. um, so if New Japan is an option look at say Marty turning up in New Japan getting over immediately being allowed to get over uh, for me that's the best option at this point in time he's perfect if you're going to try and introduce him before the end of the year in the run up to kind of what would be a bigger showcase at say a Wrestle Kingdom and then seeing how it works with the ex- New Japan ex- it expansion into the US. You could introduce him in the way mm. they introduced Cody Rhodes at Wrestle Kingdom yep. last year. We had him have that sort of short match with Juice Robinson exactly. on the show. If that's the way they want to go about it, build him quite sort of slowly and nicely. Mm. And I think he's got so much natural charisma and there's something yep. so likable about the guy that I don't think he'd have an issue getting over. I'd be amazed if he did. He's got that legitimacy as well, hasn't he? Yeah, that yeah. UFC background. You can kind of tell in the match as well. I mean, Ishii, he seems like the type of wrestler if he hasn't got respect for you, you'll probably tell very quickly. But obviously, you know, Riddle's a legitimate guy and yeah, he, he gave uh, he gave Riddle a lot in this match in going over. Um, yeah. It was the only thing, the one thing I'd say is, I mean, the finish did seem to come a bit quick. It was a, just a one-off uh, brain buster, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was up for f- five more minutes at this. Yeah, I probably would have taken it. But again, maybe... I don't know if they were up much. for five more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And, it. and it leaves you wanting more. And it's definitely a place that either Rev Pro or New Japan could uh, go yeah. back to in future. But yeah, I mean, as far as any matches on this show goes, if, you, if you're stuck for time, and you're skipping matches or there's, there's, this is the match uh, to, to, to seek out this is the match to see and it was it was a dream match and I definitely uh, I think they delivered really um, another quick point to make on this one as well was the placement of it on the card I thought after the silly DQ in the last match it was great just coming out with this one and <laughs> just sort of yep. having it go all guns blazing because yep. people just forgot about that crap finish from the last one and yeah this got over immediately it just got everybody going again, yeah, didn't it? And yeah, yeah. just as you know, the crowd kind of peaking. This is where poor Andy Q uh, fell into lots and lots of tech issues. Uh, we were leading into our yeah. main event. I'll 
a big Jacob four-way final. He was trying to introduce uh, Marty Jones, wasn't he? He was coming out to to give the the, the trophy, wasn't it? And to, to to shake the hand of the winner, and just his mic just died. It was gone. It was basically Andy Quilden standing in the ring, shouting, hoping that everybody could hear him, uh, <laughs> announcing all of the wrestlers from that point on. And it was, you know, Marty Jones was trying to cut a to a quick promo, and we just couldn't really hear the what the story is that he was telling. I don't know if it comes across better on the VOD, but he looked he was fuming, wasn't he, Andy Quilden there? He yeah. was apparently he'd spent quite a bit, he was saying on uh it might have been to the Facebook page, uh the, the fans group. They they'd spent quite a bit on sound and it hadn't worked. And so you I couldn't blame him in the slightest for being Yeah, they'd outsourced I think it was the first time they'd outsourced the sound I read. Yeah. So but I completely understand where he's coming from when they spent so much of their budget on exactly. outsourcing sound and then it just is crap basically so. and you think of like the kind of effort he's made in terms of getting a card like this together like you know those little th- like you said before at the start of the show those little things inside the venue in terms of having the sound making sure that there's people are able to go and get drinks making sure that there's air conditioning these are these are things that need to be remedied next time they're running that building but i've, I've somewhat felt sorry for them at this point Indeed. I mean, once the match got started, it, yep. it certainly didn't hurt. I mean, it, it was a four-way match that I, I definitely thought was a curious uh, decision going in. I was mm. maybe more hoping for semis and a final, but actually, I think with the story, with it, you know, it was Skrull, Liger, Kashida, Osprey, with the story being a lot about uh, Liger, I think it worked. Um, with yeah. him having to overcome and survive this four-way match, he seemed to spend a lot of it on the floor, <laughs> selling, did, didn't he? <laughs> showing his age maybe a little bit there. He was He's kind fifty-two; of and he, he can get away with it. I think they went <laughs> into this one knowing, um, okay, we've got this tournament. Liger's going to win it. Okay, we maybe want to go Liger Bodum at the next uh, Summer at Summer Sizzler, yep. right? Liger three matches in a night. Oh, don't know how he's going to be able to do that at fifty two. Why don't we go the four way and just bulk out the card a little bit? I think next yeah. year when Andy Quilden says it's going to be bigger and it's going to be better, we're going to get a show with eight matches across the show. Well, I sorry, wouldn't be surprised matches. if he tried to do a two day. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, I could, I could see it. I could see it. Um, with this though, at least with I know with Liger on the outside, you did have. Lots of really good Kashida Skull Osprey work. Ah, oh, the Osprey Marty sequence was. Oh, ah, yeah. that that was the most. I was super into the Riddleishi stuff, but I think I was even more into the Osprey Marty stuff. I think in terms mm. of a, as in terms of two guys who just can get in the ring, wrestle, and go at it, they're possibly my favourite two wrestlers when wrestling one another. Yep. Uh, ever. Um. Yeah. I, Time and time again, they sort of change things up. They had new sort of reversals, two reversals. Mm. They know how to tease that crowd. I think as a match, Rev Pro haven't rematched them since that match they had at the uh, York Hall show in January last year. This is a match they've got to rematch at some point because I think it will be even bigger and even better because both guys mm. are bigger stars and both guys are even better. And this felt like a nice tease for another big singles match in Rev Pro between mm. the two of them down the line, which I really hope happens. Yep. 100%. The tailor made for gifts as well, aren't they? I tweeted one out today. <laughs> yeah. that, that sequence that you're talking about where they're just flipping and flying and going for clotheslines. And like you say, there's a chemistry and there's a familiarity with, e- with each other where nothing ever seems to go wrong. Everything just seems to just be crisp and hit perfectly. These yeah. insanely cr- uh, creative, complicated sequences where they're hitting ropes, ducking clotheslines, ducking uh, super kicks, all that stuff. It's just perfect. Uh, the, the, the definitely, there are generations 
two and two Guerrero and Rey Mysterio, aren't they? Yeah, all Psychosis yeah. and Rey Mysterio. Uh, they're absolutely awesome. I mean, mm. what, aside from that, though, I mean, what did you think of the match as a whole? I mean, I, I thought they told a really good story. Um, they had Marty with his, again, his weird half Nelson move that he was is getting over mm. on the night. Yeah. He was, Doing some damage with it, with it, wasn't he, here in this match? Yeah, he was great. I thought he was really good throughout the match. I thought he really kind of anchored the match in many ways and it was sort of, sort of really put on his shoulders to go out there and really sort of be that kind of um, presence within the match that kind of, you know, pulls various sequences together. I was quite surprised with Kashida going out first, but I suppose mm. it kind of made sense with where the story was going as mm. well. Um, some of the Liger stuff... I'd like the story, but it was also kind of hilarious, just like sort of watching oh, him God. crawling up the ring apron. And there was almost like the, you know, the Vince McMahon where he kind of looked, that kind of <laughs> gif of Vince where he looks up the ring apron. I can't remember what that's from, but there yeah. were bits where Liger was doing that that really reminded me of that. <laughs> I think he- the other, I mean, the other comedy stuff with uh, with Skrull uh, getting teaming up with Kashida to to fight Osprey to defend uh, the fact that Osprey had uh, atta- allegedly attacked Liger and Marty oh, was yeah, trying to be the, yeah. the biggest babyface in the building and, and avenge poor Josh and Thunder Liger. I really enjoyed that stuff, but yeah, I think it was Marty that held the match together. He eliminated Kashida with that with his weird uh, half Nelson pin. Mm. Do you think they're going to use that to set up for a Marty match later on in the year? I mean, because I know that the best uh, that this is now up on New Japan World, so I could see them as feeding into that sort of bigger storyline of of what will be their rivalry in other promotions. Whether because obviously you've you've got that rivalry between them in Ring of Honor as well. Um, it would make sense if it goes into the into the junior title as well at various points. And I think what it managed to do is. It gives Kushida a nice out in terms of being outwitted by what he's becoming, I would have to think, kind of almost his next main challenger. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think that would be the match. I think that that's yeah. where you go next, really. I think it works. And, uh, and again, Skrull being such a, a focus, a rev pro, like you said, the oh, fact yeah. that he eliminated Osprey here as well as a possibility of, of going there down the line. So, I mean, that works too. But again, I mean, this match was all about Skrull eliminating those guys and being the last man standing in the the hill for Liger to climb and I don't know if you'd say the same but mm. it kind of felt it felt in the building as soon as it was just Liger and Scale. I think it maybe became a little bit obvious what yeah, the story was oh, where yeah. we were going and just everybody got behind Liger didn't yeah. they and yeah. you know, I think some maybe would criticise the fact that the Rev Pro went this direction gave Liger you know the big clean win on Scale and this to win the first J-Cup but I loved it I loved the fact that the yeah you're establishing a new tournament, aren't you? And what better to give it credibility than than a big Josh and Thunder Liger win? Oh, absolutely! And and it leads really, and it it builds him up nicely for the Summer Sizzler show and the match against Bodum. I loved the the post match angle as well yeah. with, with Bodum coming out. I just thought, yeah, that's works within the sort of context of his character like so well um him attacking marty jones yeah that That was was great great. and marty jones's kind of fighting stance as well i want an out with bodum like (laughs) just you know what he's one of those detestable heels that i think a lot of people do have a lot of legitimate hate for yeah so it kind of well, I don't know why that is, but it enhances yeah. that, you know, that hatred once again. And yeah, I think they've got a really good thing going with Bode at the moment because he's having great matches. Um, the cop- last cockpit show, he had a really, really good match with David Starr. Yeah. Um, so 
good matches with Donovan Dijak as well this year. So him having good matches, improving the ring, but also being that detestable heel at the same time, I think they've got a really good thing going with him there at the moment, and this kind of just added to that. I did like all the baby faces running down as well for the save as well. I thought that was quite a cool moment and quite a yeah. nice sort of way to end the show as well. It's a very old school moment, isn't it? It was kind of... I was yeah. thinking Shane Douglas Pitbull too. I was thinking WrestleMania, <laughs> WrestleMania 10. Pitbull 1, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> WrestleMania 10. Wow, when Bret Hart wins the Titan and oh, all the baby yeah. faces come out and hold him up on the on their shoulders. Or Unforgiven 2001 after 9-11 when Kurt Angle wins the title. There we go. That's it. So I think we all went home in a good mood, didn't we? You we know, did. Liger celebrating Marty Jones shaking his hand and, you know, the reference in the old, the history that Liger was over here for for uh, the old uh, World of Sport uh, highlight show. He was, uh, he, was, he was around in that era. So it's kind of cool to see it come full circle. He's had a big, he's had a big uh, part to play, hasn't he, in Rev Pro's history as mm-hmm. well, Liger. So it all made sense for me as far as a win. We've set up a great match with uh, Josh Bosom uh, going forward. All in all, I think uh, probably a creative and, and business success for Rev Pro. I mean, easy easy question to answer, but would you uh, recommend people track this one down on VOD? Yeah, without Absolutely. a doubt. Without a doubt. I don't think you can go wrong with a Rev Pro show this year. They're, yeah, to be fair, that some of the cockpit shows haven't been, you know, they've been really good, but you can skip a couple of them here and there. But yeah, for the most part, I'd say they've been my favourite promotion this year, mm. if I'm honest. Uh, definitely my favourite British promotion this year. I think they're the most consistent at, uh, in terms of delivering that sort of a good mixture of matches, but also just putting on good shows and getting guys over in the right way and for the right reasons. Yeah, they, they don't appear to be... They don't ever feel like a fad where you kind of get that impression in terms of... of other things that go on around British wrestling. They don't have the cult of progress. They, but it's not tap. I mean, but it, it it's kind of done in that kind of very old school way, which works for a lot of people, and it kind of almost guarantees guarantees longevity, as opposed to mm. sort of finding themselves in in kind of creative binds mm. that, in the way that other promotions can do in terms of the politics issue. Mm. They kind of have what they've got in terms of being the promotions that they work with is with Ring of Honor and um, uh, not so much CMLL, but uh, certainly New Japan, is they've got leeway. They've kind of earned the right to have leeway with those guys and the kind of matches that they're putting on. And Andy Quilden and his team know how to kind of put these cards together quite well. Apart sure. from a couple of sort of technical issues, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll forgive them for that. And yeah, yeah, hopefully, when they return to the venue, maybe some of those things will be improved. And like Andy Quilden says, mm-hmm. I think it, it hurts them as much as it hurts us. So hopefully, uh, they'll be able to improve on those things. And again, who can uh, who can prepare for a British sunny day? It doesn't happen that often. So no. hopefully, the, the next time they return, we won't have uh, all those same issues again. Um, after the show, then we uh, after uh, getting some uh, well earned sleep, we headed up the motorway to to Birmingham to see mm. progress uh return to the city the second event there in the o2 i thought that uh the production was much improved in in the o2 this time in birmingham i yep. thought the the lighting was a lot better and the sound was a lot better so obviously uh progress have, have certainly improved on that on that previous show and in birmingham uh it was a good card uh, up and down um i think the again we've maybe not been super positive on progress at the moment but i think they generally speaking uh continue to, to deliver from an from an ring product um what did you two guys uh, make of the show overall i thought it was a good show um i thought there were some really standout matches um i thought the matches that didn't mean anything really 
didn't mean anything and I, mm. I found some of them quite hard to kind of get into and my attention was kind of going at certain points um, I really enjoyed the War Machine Riots match mm-hmm. the Walt, the Walter-Matt Riddle match I thought was the match of a night I loved their previous match at the ballroom and I thought this was great with an awesome ending as well that I don't actually think a lot of people saw coming um, mm. and the main event was perfectly good fun as well although there was some real sort of convoluted WWE style booking going on within that main event as well Um, sort of tells you what progress seemed to really sort of be into once again Um, but yeah for the most part an inconsistent a good but inconsistent show I'd say Um, one thing I will say is I don't feel encouraged sort of going to progress shows anymore Um, whereas I didn't miss a ballroom show for well over a year whereas I missed the one in June and I'm not going to the next one and I think I'm away for the August one so yeah as good as Super Strong Star was and as much as I enjoyed bits of this show I just I don't know I've really I'm really kind of down on the not down on the guys who work for the company but down on the promotion generally, what the promotion kind of represents in Brit Rest at this point, um, and kind of down on the, the relationship with WWE, it's really affected my enjoyment and how much I'm willing to sort of invest in the company at this point in time. Um, but yeah, that's a different matter. I f- Sorry, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I feel with the Birmingham cars, I mean, they've been running a lot of shows recently, mm. and... I didn't know. Mate, the impression I got with this is, like I say, not that it, it wasn't bad. It was it was a good progress show. However, for progress, the standards have been kind of raised. There's a, there's a level of expectation. And I think with the amount of shows that they're running, and this is a natural byproduct of it, you're going you're gonna to have a kind of thinning of the roster mm. somewhat and spreading them, spreading them thin. So there were guys on this card who you wouldn't normally have seen on, on this card as well. And in some cases, they didn't, you know, for me, didn't sort of stand up to the kind of level that you would be hoping from them. Um, I looked at it as a kind of a three, afterwards it was like it was a three-match card. Yeah. The two tag matches and the Atlas match. Um, well, that's mm. well, that's it. I mean, we won't go through the, the full cards. Mm. I mean, but, you know, to touch on what you're saying there, the three opening matches, Mark Haskins beat Mike Baird, Eddie Dennis, Eddie Dennis defeated Ashmore, mm. and Jimmy Havoc beat Jigsaw. The second guy in all those matches are relatively, I mean, for Mike Baird, he's a, he's a new new guy to progress. I think he's had one, one previous appearance. Yep. Ashmore's a, a projo guy, isn't he? Who's, I think he's a really good promo, so they, they missed a bit of a trick by uh, not having him uh, come on the mic. I mean, yep. The match here with Eddie Dennis was Eddie Dennis's first match after announcing on Twitter through a really well-produced video that he yeah. was uh, going full-time with wrestling, quit, quitting his job as a as a teacher um, and going forward. So it did feel like there was a bit more oomph behind Eddie Dennis. There was a bit more support. People were well up for it, weren't they? And they, people want to see um, Eddie Dennis do well. Um, but, Dis- you know, and disappointed I- in the match, though, i got to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Eddie Dennis, sounds like I just keep praising Rev Pro. I think I'm on the page role possibly but Eddie Dennis has had a string of really good matches at the cockpit this year where he seems to have really improved as a, With a losing streak as well yeah, yeah yeah whereas here I thought this was the weakest Eddie Dennis singles match I've seen all year yeah and it was the first one I've seen in progress um I don't know there was just something a bit off about the match I found I, I don't know how experienced Ashmore is um I think he is still young in his career I mean it was yeah. two, it was two men with something to prove wasn't it it was Eddie Dennis starting 
this you know this new full-time run and Ashmore with his first big opportunity but no I think you're right there was there was a few awkward spots wasn't there mm. just from a from a timing point of view um I just, a, they just a couple of sorry Benno no, I was going say just a couple of, of weird moments, wasn't there? And again, Ashmore, I think, is from seeing him on the was I think it's the Endeavor shows and the what's that Freedom's Road, Road. Freedom's yeah. Road. Seeing him on there, he's he is a really good promo and a good character. He's the, the hip star, isn't he? Doing a yeah. doing a hipster gimmick, but yeah, I think it, the match might have been better served if you, if you had him come out uh, cut a cut a good promo and then have Eddie Dennis beat him. Whereas mm. here, he did something more resembling a straight uh, competitive match, and yeah, I'm not quite sure it worked no i agree i thought eddie dennis maybe could have had someone of a little bit more kind of uh of, of, an, of uh, well, a little bit more name value as well like maybe mm. could have been eddie dennis mike bird instead could you have changed it around slightly or could you have had eddie dennis beat jigsaw and jimmy avick beat ashmore instead i thought uh but hey it's was what it was i suppose i've mm. seen worse and i would say with i mean in terms of the mike mike haskins uh mark haskins mike bird match um it, again, it was fine. It, it felt like it was it was there. It didn't feel like again. It felt like this is just a stopgap in the inevitable Mark Haskins Jimmy Havoc match, which we're probably going to be building up to for the Ali Pally show. Yeah, I, or I, I wonder are they going to go with some sort of tag match with Haskins and Havoc, and then have them break up, have some sort of turn at Ali Pally? I have wondered that as well. Yeah. I don't know. I suppose there's quite a few shows to go before Ali Pally, actually. Yeah. One thing I will say, um, and JP sort of made the point about there being so many shows, I do sort of feel like they are really stretching themselves quite thin. And it sort of reminds me of Ring of Honor during sort of Gabe's final days in Ring of Honor, when every um, weekend show suddenly became a double shot and you, they were suddenly booking lots and lots of shows and there were lots of kind of meaningless matches on the card on cards that didn't really go anywhere didn't really lead anywhere whereas previously shows have been very tight very concise everything kind of had a point everything kind of led somewhere which is what I used to feel about progress whereas now it just seems like there's a lot of kind of randomness uh, throughout Mm. various shows and throughout various cards and it also seems like they're trying to lead they're trying to go places with certain characters but I don't know if anything I don't know if stuff is connecting so like with Flash Morgan Webster he's been back what six months now but what is like? What is he doing? He's just had a group of random matches on shows. Mm. Haven't really gone anywhere. Um, same kind of with Jimmy Havoc at this point as well. I suppose it is building somewhere with Haskins. But I just wonder whether they're overloading themselves with shows and their focus is maybe they maybe they're a little bit distracted with preparing for so many shows, and it's kind of thrown some of the stories off a little bit to some extent. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, we were last year around this time again, you know, with, with Progress having a big show. Uh, we got Ali Pali this year. Uh, last year it was Brixton. Mm. Progress went a little bit off the boil last year around this time, didn't they? And the, yeah. there's a couple of warning signs are going the same way. But again, I mean, like you said, Haskins and Havoc, there's something brewing there. I mean, yep. their matches were pretty much mirror images of each other with both getting strong wins and, and both seem to be uh, wanting to, to get back into title contention. You'd imagine they're going to uh, butt heads again at some point um 
But I don't know. But I mean, one thing though, I would say, I mean, the, the car was hurt a little bit because I mean, the next match you're going to talk about War Machine and uh, the yes. London riots. That was originally supposed to be a three-way. Unfortunately, uh, Mark Andrews uh, wasn't healthy enough to uh, to team up yep. with Eddie Dennis and make it a three-way. But actually, I think the the match was probably better for it yeah. because I mean, <laughs> as far as live matches go on this weekend, and we saw a few good matches live. Mm. This was one where I was essentially jumping up and down at the big spots. I mean, I don't think there's a, a better live team to watch than the War Machine at the moment, is there? Yeah. No, there isn't. Um, I've said whether the riots are on a real tear. Yeah. Um, and I especially been... against War Machine. Exactly, especially <laughs> against War Machine. I mean, I've been um, I've been somewhat down at the riots at various times. Um, but I have to admit, like between them and and sorry, bring up the way that they they some of the matches they've had for Rev Pro as well. They've been on a really, they've been on a really good run. War Machine, like you say, I mean, they are, they've been great, and you know, wherever they've been, they've been great. Whether it's been Ring of Honor, whether it's been New Japan, um, they seem to be really peaking this year. I they think, really well. are peaking. They work really well as a team. I mean, their double team moves are really good. The, the the fact that Hanson does that high flying, which I know will annoy some people, but that you know, handspring elbow was just, yeah. I mean, that's yes. the thing though, it might annoy some, but when he did it here, the place came unblue, didn't yeah. it? And it's the same when Davis hit his moonsault off the off the second rope. I mean, again, big guys maybe shouldn't be doing this stuff if you follow the maybe the, the Jim Cornette school of wrestling. Oh, but hey, it's not response, it's it. not the seventies and eighties. <laughs> I mean, I'll just leave it at that. It's amazing as well because Hanson is the bigger guy, but yep. he is the more agile, and mm. Rowe is the smaller guy, but seems like he's the power guy. So it's kind of like a weird dynamic as well. Between Somehow the two. it works. Yeah, no, it really does work. Yeah. And like, what this, this is the third match these guys have had in progress. Yep and they've all been stellar matches mm. and there is that kind of friendly rivalry that seems to exist mm. between them where it's kind of like well we're going to one-up one another throughout these matches the riots have really kind of found their place as these kind of like big spot match tag workers mm. um you know they had that great match with um the south pacific south pacific power trip this year mm-hmm. as well they've had good matches in rev pro that have been quite similarly booked at points as well mm-hmm. um i think they i think they've had a really qu- they haven't been involved in the major storylines in progress but they've had a quietly good year um i think so it'd be nice to see them get a little bit more focus on the riots in progress at some point but i suppose the tag titles seem like they're kind of um tied up with british strong style and cck at the moment don't they going yeah. forward yep that's it. I mean, it, it was a it was a great match, and I think the again, yeah, the riots. I mean, don't want to sing the praises too hard of War Machine. The riots, you know, delivered in this match as well. And like you say, they've got a string of of matches recently where they've been good. I think the only thing, the only criticism I maybe have of this match is there was kind of a point where there was a bit of a you know the big four man standoff where they all fall down and oh, you know, yeah. the place again came unglued and there was a big Tower of Doom spot and you know Ray Rowett in a power bomb and a, and a fall away slam at the same time. There's just there was all kinds of crazy moments and it did seem to peak maybe just a little bit early i felt like maybe the last two minutes or so the wrestlers looked tired and the, and the crowd looked a bit tired but uh, i maybe i wouldn't take that too much away from the match i think they they really delivered here and it was just a it was a great uh, live uh, experience to be mm. part of wasn't mm, it most definitely Speaking of which, I mean, following on from this, that you would think that you wouldn't be able to follow this with a with a with a match as good. But again, Matt Riddle continuing this ridiculous weekend of firstly oh. taking a beating from Tomohiro Ishii, and then here he is with with Volta again chopping the hell out of Riddle. Um, he, he put and, up some pictures of him and his his chest and the welts he'd had. Oh my and, god! I mean, yeah, it was vicious. I, 
imagine that after taking those chops from Ishii and then coming back the next night and going, yeah, uh, well, I'll take a load of them from Walter as well. I mean, if you're going to pick I, one guy in Europe not to give you chops after you wrestled Ishii, <laughs> I suppose he's got his pain medication sorted out, though, hasn't he? So he, you know, he probably uh, <laughs> probably sorted yeah. himself out that evening or maybe prior to the match, I suppose. Um, <laughs> I think, I, I, sorry, Benno. Yeah, I was going to say. I think I think it, the match mirrored the the Ishii match yeah. a little bit. There was a yeah, lot of you know, strike exchanges, chop exchanges, uh, voltage constantly going for his choke and kicking out uh, Riddle's legs. That's what you get for for not wearing boots. I mean, how did you think it compared to the to the Ishii match the night before? What did you prefer out of the two? I can't. I find it hard to choose between them. If I'm honest, I thought both were really good in quite similar ways, um, <laughs> similar kind of structure at mm. points as well. I did love the way that Walter was sort of cutting Riddle off at points as well using mm. almost his size um, to yeah. his advantage especially with his use of his sort of big boot and stuff um, Walter I think is so good as well um, I, I do think it's a good decision um, putting the belt on Walter I don't think Riddle's reign was getting boring by any means but I do think Walter gives you something different as well and gives you a whole new range of matches as well um, he's someone who and I haven't even seen 16 Carat but he's someone who I've been hugely impressed with this this year yeah. um, and I'm hoping this means he's going to be booked on more progress I've got to say if he is he is someone that would would probably kind of be a draw for me to go back to the ballroom to shows I've got to say I also think as well I mean given the fact that he's going to be in for a big summer the fact he's at bowler um, is going to mean a hell of a lot he's going to be introduced kind of I mean because even in this country he's outside of progress he's, he's relatively unknown mm. Um unless those who are familiar with WXW. So it's going to be interesting to see him kind of on a launching pad. And Progress have become quite good at this, about kind of seeing where the trend kind of lies and where to go to next. And so uh, Walter is going to, you know, he sets himself up as effectively a monster to be chopped down Mm. within the division. I mean, who you have him up against next... Fred Yeehaw. That's who they've booked him against next. That Fred Yee, huh? 207 pounds apparently. I saw them defending that on Twitter. I mean, that's that's maybe the the. It's just a case of well, they're wrestling each other, so let's make it a title match. What promotions that happening? In? It's in progress. It's on it the in, New oh, York the show. Abort. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it was happening in America. I got confused. But yeah, it was a progress show. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not. Well, I'm Shawn not Michaels was 225. So oh, was he? <laughs> <Very true. laughs> What's happened to this business, JP? It's I ridiculous. don't know. It's, it used to be full of men. It digs but, uh, <laughs> but no, I think uh, I mean, that's maybe the not the the strongest progress booking. But I would say overall, the progress booking of this Atlas title, I think they've they've done a relatively good job. I don't think Rampage. I mean, we were mildly critical about Rampage earlier, and uh, mm-hmm. I think he's a solid worker. But he wasn't really uh, setting the world on fire with his no. Atlas uh, defenses. They were all solid, okay matches. Never the the strongest match on the card. They transitioned the belt to Riddle, who, even Riddle, really, you might not have looked at him as being a, a super heavyweight, but he's certainly above the, the 205. But I think yep. it was a, a really inspired decision to put the belt on him, wasn't yeah, it? And he definitely. can't keep it forever. And I don't think there's a, a better choice than Volta, is there, to uh, to go on and uh, just imagine the matches he's going to have in progress now? Exactly. And Riddle's given it the visibility by taking it around with him and always wearing the scarf, seemingly, as well. I mean, he's given it that visibility that it never had before. And Walter, again, has absolute credibility within the promotion. He's still relatively... He's relatively fresh and new to a lot of people. He's not really been overexposed. 
So, I mean, like you, I think it's, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a really good decision. If you, if you're going to have Riddle lose the title to someone, Volta is was the way forward. I want to see him uh, book because I know they're doing the show in New York, obviously, and they've got the Volta Yeehaw match. I was hoping for a Volta Keith Lee match. That's kind of like God, a dream yeah. match of mine at the moment. But they're doing the show in Boston the night yeah. after with Beyond. Uh, so I was hoping for a Volta Donovan Dijak match in Beyond potentially I think as well. So. Which Vol- Volta Jeff Cobb hopefully at some point in the future. Yeah, yeah. It's all import guys here. It's not all import. Not a lot of good <laughs> British heavyweight guys that we're kind of touting here, is there? Joe Coffey. There's something missing in the food, I think. I don't know what it is. All our guys are relatively small, aren't they? Yeah, so okay. yeah. You say that, I'd watch Volta Curtis Chapman. Oh, just, just to I see mean, what would, happens. It'd be a murder scene. <laughs> it really would be. I'm not quite sure he'd make the two. I don't think he'd make 105. I don't, mind 205, <laughs> Mate, I don't know if he makes 15. He needs to get on Fred Yeehaw's diet, then he'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, the, the other big match then on this card to kind of round it up was, and it was the big news coming off of the show, six-man tag, British Strong Style against uh, the full CCK. Um, it's been a bit weird, Progress's uh, presentation of CCK in that the, the, they haven't outright made out that Travis Banks is a member. He came out separately here for his entrance, but he had CCK written on his gear. There's kind of an assumption in Progress, isn't there? You know who these guys are, you know who, what their history is, um, and we'll just go with it. Uh, they opened uh, with the match with uh, some mic work and British Strong Style talking CCK into putting the, the tag belts on the line, which was a red flag pretty much straight away, wasn't it, that we might, uh, might be seeing a title change coming here. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have been uh, critical of, of the book in here. I don't know. What did what did you two guys make of it? Um, I thought it was another kind of string to progress's ever-increasing kind of WWE bow, if I'm honest, um, which I'm always going to be negative about. Um, but I will say I did think the booking of putting the titles on CCK, establishing them, continuing their momentum but then chopping them not chopping down their momentum but taking them taking them off them quite quickly might put more sympathy on them long term might get British Strong style over as more dastardly heels going into the Ali mm-hmm. Pally show and I think that CCK chasing British Strong style probably going into the Alexandra Palace show is a good way to go forward with this to make a sort of big title match on that show with another big title win I think so I I kind of can see where they're coming from with this booking um i do always love a really important big tag title match um mm. wwe i can't remember the last time they did it uh, but i can't remember the last time new japan did it really mm. but ring of honor i thought had a great rep back in the day when i was really following them for booking really sort of important matches with steen and generico the briscoes really highlighting just how those tag team titles were almost on the same level as that world title um so i think this is a really good way to do that and get that really kind of big co-main event at ali pally with this match if that's the way that's, they go that's it I mean I think there's something about I think Progress do a good job of uh, like I say yeah, we're headlining here with what was essentially a tag title match and like you said Joe they're, they're aligning things so that 
eventually the, the point is probably that we're going to get CCK getting the big win against British Strong Style. I'm more on your side. I think it was mm-hmm. giving CCK the win from... I mean, when you're planning this booking as well, maybe Progress didn't maybe know CCK were going to be as over as they were coming in at the gates. So and maybe they thought if we put the belts on them early um, to take, and then we'll take them off them again, it establishes them as a, as a credible tag team from, mm-hmm. the, from the off in Progress. I can see that thinking, but I mean, it, uh, the people who've been criticised it that i think the main point's been hasn't it that it would make more sense if cck had not had that big win if they saved it for ali pally and we just that was their their first tag title i'm sure they'll be going mad at ali pally when they regain those titles exactly so uh, i think we're probably going to get the same response but it's a fair criticism i mean i didn't like i mean on, on the twitter i saw jim smallman giving people grief and so even scroobius pip joined in i don't know if you saw that no, saying that people no. should uh, it, there might be a story being told here wait it out and see what happens but there's nothing wrong with looking at the story that's being told and thinking no this is a bad story i, don't I was like gonna it. i was gonna say there's that there's that kind of you know passive aggressive hostility to any kind of criticism of maybe this storyline isn't working it's the old trope of oh no but you just don't understand the story yet it's like people will like what they what they don't like and i think for me the trope of having what looks like a, a six-man tag and then it's like well why don't you put these on the line then just it's like mm. oh jesus here we go again at that point you think oh, okay i see where this is going you can see where the rematch is going to be and that's fine and, and i agree with you guys in terms of that's the better direction um but I would also say at the same time it's it's still falling into this let's book things on the fly for the audience. Mm. It's like really can we just have a match and have it set out that they're in the rules beginning? Yeah, you could have got you could have got around it another way. Yeah. You could have had mm. I don't know Pete Dunn cost him the belts or something. Yeah. had an angle with him and Travis Banks that was involved in it maybe. There, there were other ways around it, I suppose. Um, but I, I just think. Um, the bookers seem like they're really into WWE, if anything. I know John Briley said that he hadn't watched a card or Omega, so, and he said his favourite faction were Legacy at one point. So, uh, oh, good God. Yeah, so <laughs> big WWE fan. Um, so maybe fortune, in terms they? of booking, Legacy. that's what he's you know into. That's what he knows. Um, so that's what we're getting, essentially, isn't it? That's mm. it. I mean, the old school will say, "Well, if we're all shitting on it, we're maybe maybe we've been gotten to. Maybe there's a heat there that you know. I don't know whether it's necessarily going on the promotion though, rather than uh, the intended heels, British Strong Style. But uh, as a match, what did you think of it? I, I quite enjoyed it. I think it was as advertised, really. If if you imagine a match with a six man of CCK and British Strong mm-hmm. Style that's what you got a yeah. lot of common mm-hmm. spots yeah we saw big... this match at lucha forever as well in southampton mm. and it was a different sort of match it was a lot more comedic based and it was more in that kind of lucha forever tongue-in-cheek kind of mm. almost like insider club style yeah. that they like to put on there were no uh, stakes no no yeah. there weren't whereas this yeah there were stakes there were titles involved as well so it was yeah. a little it felt like a more important match between the two mm. sets of guys as well um I, i'm sure we'll continue we'll see another six man between these two at some point we'll see all sorts of combinations I- between the two teams I think so. I think mm. there's a long way to go to Ali Pali, so I think this won't be the last six-man we'll get. Overall, I enjoyed it. I thought uh, Lycos, it was interesting seeing him as babyface in peril. It's mm. not a role you you often yeah. see him play, but I thought he was really was good. Very good at it. Very yeah. good at it. Yep. There was a lot of big moments in the match. You know, the triple Van Terminator from CCK oh, was, was a cool. big one. Yeah, I did enjoy that. that. 
and the British Strong Style have got that um, it's kind of a, a Meltzer driver to the outside um, oh, with I, Tyler Bate doing the dive yeah, yeah. Yes. What did you call it on the night, JP? Was it a, a Finn Martin driver? I think that is. Are we going to trade that? <laughs> Finn Martin driver. <laughs> That's what it should be called. <laughs> I think um, there's a lot of memorable moments in the in the in the match. It was, there was a lot of good triple teams. That was probably the most memorable one, I would say. Um, but overall, it was good. It was enjoyable. I mean, yeah, Pete Dunn messing around with his his sledgehammer, which you knew at some point was uh, was going to come into play. Mm-hmm. Um, Chekhov's gun there. So all in all, it was it was enjoyable, um, if not without its uh, its controversy. Yeah, I completely agree with yeah. that. Um, what are you thinking about progress going forward from this point, going into the Ali Pally show? Any predictions for the card at all? <sighs> Um, that sums it up. Um, no, I mean, obviously, outside of the the two matches, which are probably likely to be set up with the British Strong Style and the uh, uh, British Strong Style CCK for the tags, Travis Banks, Pete Dunne. I wonder whether they should put a stip uh, on the uh, CCK Yeah, I could see that. But the CCK um, British Strong Style match, I wonder maybe they should, whether they should go like a ladder match or something. Like yeah. up the stakes a little bit, make it something special for their big show maybe. That would be good. I wonder whether Volta have one last match with Riddle. Could, I wonder if, if Riddle does go to New Japan. Maybe it could be Riddle's kind of send-off as well. Yep. I could see I could see that being the case because obviously that they have an issue with booking guys from New Japan to a degree. Even though they've got War Machine in. So it's well, interesting. Does War Machine have a... New Japan contract. I think there's something yeah. quite sort of confusing going on there, isn't there? With there is, I mean, in in terms of the other matches, I mean, it's for me. I think if there's one thing also to take away from the the Brixton shows, is they felt like for you know they they tried to build up some stories for some of the matches, but a lot of the card kind of felt quite throwaway. And I think their job over the next two months is to build a card where there is consequences. That's where I would like to see it go. I mean, at, you know, I don't want to see a match where it, it's effectively, hey, let's put the Projo guys on the card because Chuck Mambo, Paul Robinson, <sighs> great. <laughs> you want it to be special, though, don't you? I mean, that was yeah. my biggest critique last year that it just it felt like another special. progress show. It did. I mean, yeah. on the yeah. event, we, we did get Jimmy Havoc's return, which was a big moment. And, mm. and yeah, it, could, it could have been better. <laughs> yeah, and the Haskins win as well, coming in a three-way rather than uh, a singles yeah. match. It, and then just, just throwing Tommy End in there because he's Tommy End. It just uh, there were so many. I just thought that entire car was very problematic, sort well, of from hope. top to bottom. That's it. So let's hope uh, going yeah. forward, maybe lessons have been learned this year and we do get something a bit bigger to, to suit the occasion. But again, <coughs> as far as this show goes, I think overall, um, I, enjoy, I think we all enjoyed it. Um, if maybe there's uh, some uh, minor critique in there for, for some of the, the booking of progress at the moment and, and some of the ways they're filling these cards. Okay, so before we go then, uh, one other show that the you two guys got a chance to attend and uh, I missed out on, Good mm. Wrestling um, return for their show, the creatively named Back for Good, uh, took place on the 15th and again in uh, in our famed, uh, one of our favourite places, Milton Keynes. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'll say that... Arms was the venue, was it? Yeah, um, yeah, I, was, I mean, you, we've talked previously on the show about your visit to Milton Keynes for what culture? Uh, you weren't a fan. Did you have a better time this time? Well, or? I had yeah. a much better time. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, in terms of Milton Keynes, it was much better than the Watt Culture experience. Um, there was a guy that did uh, try and uh, start a fight with me in a toilet, which was uh, quite interesting, and accused me of, um, 
Yeah, uh, well, through through a kind of outdated um, homophobic. homophobic slur, my way as well for some whatever reason. Did see him being arrested after the show outside the pub as well, <laughs> which was interesting. Um, but other than that, um, really fun show, different type of show as well. Nice little setup at a back room of a pub that's usually used as a gig venue. Yeah, um, it's a Metlers pub, the Crawford Arms. Yeah, so you go in and it's and it's set up like a Metlers Metlers pub. And um, you go out to the back. Uh, effectively, you've kind of got two sets of chairs around the ring, and then you've got where the, one side of the ring where there's basically the entrance, and then there's people stood on the other side. You can fit about 120 in there at a push. Um, it was quite full in there. I thought though. it was, it was full. decent we amount had, of people in there. We had good seats. And for what they for putting on a show at this size, and it seemed like it's just a couple of fans who are putting this on as well. I thought they did a really good job. Yeah, to uh, give a shout out, it'd be. Um, I mean, the the guys at, at Good Wrestling. I know one of the guys on on Twitter is Muscly Babies, at Muscly Babies, um, and like I say, a couple of fans putting on a putting on a really yeah, big... Yeah, they did a really good job, I thought. Uh, nice sort of, uh, real kind of um, variety on the card again, which yep. I think is, like we've said earlier, is really important. And the variety here really kind of stood out. A nice opener, sort of five-way elimination match with some sort of younger talents. I think the only guy that I knew in this one was Ashley Dunn. Um, just looking at the, the cage match for this match, it, it lists a Beano. Is that me? Was I in this match? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a... Is he the dra- Welsh bloke? He's a Dragon, okay. he's a dragon Pro trainee, so so he does oh. uh, the, the Thursday night throws for attack. Okay, I'll, I'll have to check him out. Hence, Warren um, was going somewhat berserk about him. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's a guy called Fowler, which I was interesting. Lots of um, Robbie Fowler and EastEnders <laughs> Pauline Arthur Fowler, Mark Fowler uh, type abuse that me and JP were sort of talking about amongst ourselves. Um, Maybe he left on a motorbike, never to return. <laughs> we'll never yeah. see him in Brit Rest again. <laughs> Just hope he doesn't go near that Jill. That's true. Sorry, <laughs> lovely dated EastEnders references there. There was um, it was it was an interesting way they'd set up the card. So you had a kind of real hardcore match with Mike Bird and Ryan Small. And a note at the start of this match, there was, and this is something I think in future for, for kind of people to avoid. There's, there was a bit of an unease set in the room because both Mike Bird and Ryan Small started laying into the kind of into the promoter. And it was very much this kind of... He was stood in the ring and doing the ring yeah, announcement at the time. And it was, it felt kind of uneasy at times. I think they, they didn't know what to say. So there's stuff that came across as kind of vaguely homophobic and quite bullying. It felt like... Which it, maybe we're just being touchy nah, to me, liberals. It, to, me, to me, it felt like they sort of overstepped a mark. There's kind of banter, as much as I hate using that term. Mm. And I thought this went to... Uh, to me, it felt like this guy was a fan who was running a show, and these guys are wrestlers, and they can treat this promoter how the hell they want to treat him, because he's the promoter yeah. and he's not one of the boys necessarily. And it did feel like it was kind of like an exposition of how wrestlers might feel towards promoters that don't have kind of a, you know, a long uh, kind of history in the business itself. Um, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know. I might be completely wrong on this um but i did feel quite uncomfortable watching this unfold and it went on forever as well and yeah there were bits of it that were kind and then it of, went kind outside into the pub car park it did yeah I and mean, then they threw a referee in a bin and 
They smashed someone against a taxi at one point, and the taxi yeah. driver wasn't in on what was going on. It was quite funny. <laughs> I'll was. say that for it. It was unique. Um, but I sort of thought Ryan's smile kind of was showing that kind of um, the Lucha Forever style, which I've spoken about quite critically before, the kind of behind the curtain, kind of, you know, yeah. breaking the fourth wall. Like, there was a moment in the match where um, he went to do like a dive off the ropes and Mike Bird reversed it into a suplex and he shouted out something like um, you, sh- you you lot should be paying £5 extra for this show or something like that and it just sort of felt a bit kind of, I don't know, there was an element of arrogance like he was sort of above a mm. show in a pub um, which I just, I don't know, maybe I was reading that wrong again but I didn't think he endeared himself to the crowd necessarily, yeah. personally I would, I would say on the upside, I mean in terms of the match of the night um, was an easy one, um, which was a there was a four way with Chris Brooks beating Wild Boar, Carl Fletcher, and Mark Davis. Yeah, it was a really good match. Really good match. Um, Wild, did a lot of good things about Fletcher and Davis at the moment. They are really. I mean, as of uh, as a couple of young boys again, a couple of young boys who um, were training in Australia. Basically, uh, they knew Travis Banks from tra- from training with him out there. He said to them, "Come over here. There's stuff going on." So they've taken a massive risk kind of upping everything and moving out. I think Cole Fletcher's girlfriend is doing a stop-off in Stardom before she's on her way over. Um, And these guys are getting better. They're they're getting really established with the crowd. I mean, admittedly, this is very much a kind of hardcore crowd who'll go to watch lots of Brit rest. So they're kind of very much over with them. I mean, they've just become the attack tag team championships. And I can see that being a really good run. Mm-hmm. Um, look forward to seeing them in, in. I think they're in Chikara as well. Oh, as are part they? Of the King of Trios. Oh, okay. Um, but I'd have to say, for 12 quid and getting, regardless of where you were, whether you were stood, whether you were seated, you're going to get a great view. Mm. Um, there was some, you know, there's nothing on there that you're going to say is kind of world beating. But I really enjoyed it as kind of going to a small independent British wrestling show on a Saturday night and it was a nice day. Um, there was it was very sort of easy going wasn't very it? easy yeah. going the main event was kind of what you would have expected with Jack Sesmith and the love making de- demon who was Chuck Mambo in a mask um, beating the Dazzler team yeah it was a good fun match that one and you could Enjoyed see Sexsmith's improvement he kind of really felt yeah, like yeah. he was kind of he felt like he was the star of the show he was the star he? of the show yeah. Yeah, yeah. And people were really into him as well yep he's got real presence hasn't he yeah um, I mean, definitely d- I mean, the lovemaking demon here, it's, it's an open secret, isn't it? It, was, it used to be Chris Brooks, didn't it, who, yes. uh, who did the, the character? I mean, I was this version of the, of the lovemaking demon. Fine. It was quite funny. The <laughs> dancing was, was quite it, funny. It I don't, was, don't know how JP felt about it. I know he's no. got a bit of mamboitis. I have. I I never see what's special. I'm, I'm sorry, time-travelling yoga bullshit to- toga bullshit aside uh it's it's like i thought case. you were a liberal jp exactly oh. i know I, i'm fine with yoga i like yoga um not togas though <laughs> i'm not i'm not against that. so it was he was it was fine for what it was because it was it fitted in with the show nicely and it was an easygoing show i have seen chuck mambo in a few pubs actually but he's usually drinking and not wrestling so it was good to see him wrestling in the pub yeah um, <laughs> see him working for once. Um, I'll shut up now. At this point. 
<laughs> there was also a kind of impromptu match between Lycos and Ashley Dunn, which I thought came close to beating the four way as the yeah. match of the night. I thought uh, they really got some good, they had some decent chemistry, really clicked. Yeah. It was a really fast paced match as well. Like the pace mm-hmm. never let up. Ashley Dunn had, had a match earlier in the night, um, but the pace of this, it was just kind of balls to the walls, went about 10 minutes. Yep. Uh, lots of moves, but everything kind of made sense within the context of what they were doing. Uh, I think it might have been the first time I've seen Lycos wrestle as a single and I was really yep. impressed of him he was he was essentially the heel here um, but he, at times he sort of was selling quite nicely yep. as well there was sort of sympathy put on him but then he'd come back and do the whole shut up Lycos thing mm-hmm. um, so that was a really nice little fun match as well Ashley Dunn looks like he's a talent as well I've seen him yep. a couple of times in Rev Pro seen him Lucha Forever as well I can't remember. One of the early shows. Okay. The first one. So he looks like he's someone to kind of look out for uh, going forward as well. So there was a good mix of talent on here again, like lots of younger guys, but also some established guys with Brooks, Lycos, Wild Boar, um, Mike Bird as well. Um, So yeah, really fun show. I'd definitely go again. The main event of their next show in September, if anyone's interested, is again, I think it'll be about 12 quid, same venue. And you've got um, CZW Tag Team Champions, CCK. Brooks and Lycos versus uh, Bird and Ball uh, for the CZW oh, Tag cracking. Team titles. 12 quid on a Saturday night. It's quite good for that, if you ask me. I'd definitely and, go again. And of the places to go to in Milton Keynes, this one certainly seems the uh, the least offensive. I think the show's on September the 16th, but search Twitter and Facebook and the like, and I'm sure you'll find details there. But fair play to the lads who put this on, yeah. and uh, yeah, I'll be supporting them going forward as well, I think. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, that show you mentioned there, Saturday 16th of September, back in the Crawford Harms, good wrestling, and yeah, from the review you've given there, it does sounds like a fun time, and it's mm-hmm. it's good to see them them back uh, delivering shows again. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll definitely have to get to a show myself at some point in future. Okay, that brings us pretty much to the end of our show. Then, um, guys, where can people find you uh, on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Lemsip with four P's, and you can find me at at jpjpj. P-J-I-P triple E Indeed You can find me at Benson Richard E on on Twitter um, You can head to theindycorner.com There's a few fresh reviews up there at the moment uh, The podcast players are playing up a little bit at the moment so to listen to the podcast you do have to use the, the RSS feed that's just a bit of way of the warning um, Also uh, this week I'm doing British Audio Wrestling but also I'm going to be guesting on the Wrestle Blast podcast where we're doing a review of SummerSlam 92 so I'll give those guys a shout out Yeah that should be a fun one I've got fond memories of that one I can't think I can't even remember whether I've, uh, I've watched it since since 1992 really uh, so that should that should be a fun time you yeah, must have seen that, the brett bulldog match since i'd expect so yeah but i don't think i've sat and watched the, the full show again yeah, okay. so yeah <laughs> looking forward to talking about that one but yeah you can follow those guys on twitter at WrestleBlast. it's a it's a great little podcast so i'm looking forward to that okay so that brings us to the end you'll find us uh, back again in a few weeks we're all heading to fight club pro uh, on the 28th for international techers event uh, we'll be back with the show review in that uh, and the latest in british wrestling cheers It was 
was a clear black night, a clear white moon Warren G was on the streets, trying to consume Some skirts for the E, so I could get some phones Rolling in my ride, chilling all alone Just hit the east side of the LBC On a mission trying to find Mr. Warren G Seen a car full of girls, ain't no need to tweak All you skirts know what's up with 213, 213, 213, 213, 213.